Welcome to the Unconventional Path, entrepreneurship and innovation stories and ideas. Hi, I'm coming to you from the Capital Region campus of Clarkson University in Schenectady, New York. I'm Bale Musitz, a former three-time entrepreneur, venture capitalist, and now the David D. Ray Professor of Innovation and Entrepreneurship here at Clarkson University. And from here in beautiful Münster, Germany, I'm Mike Wasserman, Professor of International Management at the Münster University of Applied Sciences. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoy our podcast. The two of us want to take the lessons that we've learned over the last three decades as entrepreneurs, investors, managers, and professors, and leverage our network of interesting friends, former students, business partners, and others we've met uh, along the way in our life's journey to bring you interesting stories, ideas, and insights into innovation, entrepreneurship, and the people that take unconventional paths to find happiness at work and in life. Before we get to today's uh, episode, a quick thank you to our sponsors. Clarkson University and the Minster University of Applied Sciences. Hey, Mike, we got another listener question. Matthew writes, Dear Bela and Mike, I love your podcast. Could you please interview some successful business owners who have used data to drive their decision making? What did they measure? How was it analyzed? What conclusions were drawn? And how did the analysis change how they do business? When did the data challenge conventional wisdom? and thus provide the company with a competitive advantage. Thank you, Matthew. Hey, Matt, thanks for the great question. And uh, Mike, you have some comments on that? Yeah, Matt, thanks. Great question. So this is interesting, and I oftentimes like to think about the intersection of data analytics as a disruptive technology that's uh, entered into the business context today with entrepreneurship and startups. Uh, how do these two mesh? Because typically, startups have no internal data, right? It becomes interesting. They don't have a product yet. They don't have uh, operations. They can't measure productivity. They have no employees. They can't measure customer satisfaction because there aren't any yet. Um, so it's um, there is external data available. So you can look at demographics. You can look at um, uh, data you can get from the Census Bureau or from different uh, sources about things like weather or things like uh, factor or commodity prices, things like that. The issue there is that if you can get at that, other people can get at that. And as long as you're analyzing it in kind of traditional ways, it can't be a source of competitive advantage. So this becomes an interesting set of issues. What I recommend entrepreneurs do is that they have an analytics plan as they're kind of building their business, that they have a plan on what metrics they want, what data they want to collect internally from their own operations, from their suppliers, from their customers. Um, and that data that they can control can definitely be a source of competitive advantage. Um, I think that um, the first part of gaining a competitive advantage is A, getting the right data, and that's going to have some trial and error. Um, B, it's going to be using the most appropriate analysis tools. And I think that that's really more about finding people that can help you. I don't, I, I mean, maybe an entrepreneur will have the skill set that they need to do analytics, but typically it's finding either hiring somebody or bringing in an intern or having a consultant help you analyze the data that you get. And then really a, an important part that people forget is how does your team use the results of that data analysis to make decisions? Are you being unbiased in your assessment? Are you considering alternative explanations? 
Um, so Matthew, short question, but a long answer. And um, I think that we have some context between Bela and I uh, in our network that we can bring in on some future episodes to address this question, both from the perspective of an entrepreneur uh, in terms of what you're asking, but I also know a couple data scientists, and I think it'd be great to bring in their perspectives as well, maybe either on the same podcast or do two episodes um, in terms of how data analytics can help entrepreneurs. How is that for an answer? Yeah, I think that's great, Mike. And uh, I think we'll double down our efforts and uh, see if we can get uh, a couple of users of data here, entrepreneurs, uh, and interview them on the show and they can share uh, how they do it in their business. Okay, now let's get right to our interview with Carrie O'Brien. Today, I'm here with Carrie O'Brien Weitrall, who is one of the early employees at Darn Good Yarns. And if you recall, uh, in one of our previous episodes, uh, we sat down with Nicole Snow, who was the founder of Good Darn Good Yarns. And I thought it would be interesting to uh, have a conversation with someone uh, who's an early employee at a small organization, a small startup, and try to understand from their perspective what's attractive about being part of a small startup and uh, how that whole works, how that part works as opposed to uh, joining a large company. So, Carrie, welcome. Thank you for having me. Sure. So, tell me a little bit about what your thinking was about deciding to join a startup. Um, well, to be honest, at first I thought I'd always end up in corporate America and I did... Um, test that a little bit was there for a couple of years um, and it just wasn't necessarily fulfilling a, a part of my destiny as I saw it um, so I ventured on Craigslist one day and found what I thought was this like small little company and I was like there's no way they're gonna even hire me pay me like how can they afford to pay me um, but uh, as Nicole mentioned in her uh, earlier podcast with you like I always had um, someone in my life saying, you know, never leave any stone unturned, always go for every opportunity. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to email them. And when I got an interview, I was like, I'll go for the interview and see what happens. Can't, it can't hurt. If anything, I'll learn from the experience. I'll get practice interviewing so I can go on some other job interviews, really not having any expectations for it. Um, I did my interview. Well, my first interview actually got canceled because mm-hmm. at the time Nicole was pregnant and had broken her ribs. So I, you know, I didn't know the backstory at the time. So I was like, oh, this isn't anything. And then I uh, went on and had my second interview and I was pleasantly surprised. Um, so, you know, it, it my, my interest was sparked. So I said, OK, I'll take a second interview with them. And, you know, once I got in the environment and saw what was happening and what the day to day kind of was like, I, I was hooked. There was no way I wasn't not getting this job. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Great. So let's go back a little bit. Sure. Where'd you grow up? I grew up on Long Island. Okay. Um, Parents, police officer and nurse. So um, I came from a very blue collar family. Um, You know, opening a business was never something anyone in my family had ever done, but um, it always was kind of a spark in me uh, growing up. I had a job in college, in college, in high school, where uh, I was a piano teacher. So I started out in 10th grade with uh, three students. I'd charge 10 bucks for a half hour. And every year I increased it um, about three bucks. And by the end of my senior year of high school, I had uh, almost 15 students that I was teaching weekly half hour piano lessons to. So that was kind of uh, my cash flow. 
uh, they used to, you know, purchase a car and, you know, do whatever else a a high school senior does. Yeah, so that gave you a little taste of entrepreneurship. Yeah, I had um, what I thought at the time was very sophisticated books. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd, you know, check mark each week who paid me, who didn't pay me, who owned me. Um, So it was definitely um, a fun experience for me. Great. And where'd you go to school? Uh, I graduated from Siena with a degree in biology. Oh, okay. Uh, And then uh, I also have an MBA from St. Rose. Oh, excellent. And then... uh, after college, what'd you do? I joined AmeriCorps for a year. Um, I was a VISTA. Oh, wow. Yep. It was a pretty fun experience, definitely. Well, what'd you do there? Um, so I was uh, AmeriCorps VISTA, partnered with the Peter Young Foundation, which is a local nonprofit here in the Capital District. And um, I was kind of assigned to them to build their volunteer program. Um, they didn't have one. They had this you know, very large organization and didn't really have a way to connect with students and other volunteers to kind of complete tasks for them that the nonprofit didn't necessarily have the arms to reach and get done on a day-to-day basis. Oh, wow. And wow. then uh, I was fortunate enough, they hired me after the year and I worked for them for an additional two years and actually developed their version of Meals on Wheels. Um, so home-delivered meal programs for seniors in the Capital District. Okay, and then was there other things in between that and Darn Good Yards? Uh, I was also, uh, after Whole, uh, pause there, after working for the Father Peter Young Foundation, uh, I was hired by Whole Foods Market to do marketing for their Albany location. Oh, wow. Wow. So that's great. So a, a lot of, the, there's this pattern there of, of doing things that sort of are outreaching and in very much engaging with other humans. Correct. As opposed to sitting into an office where, you know, you engage with technology and not with humans. For sure. Um, I'm definitely a hands-on learner. Um, In all of those positions, I was able to be in the community that I was assigned to or working with. um, And it really, you know, I think that's one of the best ways for me to develop a strategy going into something is to experience it firsthand and then build on my knowledge that I have with um, and then bringing in other people and resources to kind of help grow it from there. And how long have you been at Darn Good Yarns now? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. And so talk a little bit about that experience of, okay, I'm going to join this small little company. And, you know, did you did you worry about getting paid? I mean, were finances a big thing? Or <laughs> was it career development? Or Well... Nicole will probably kill me for sharing this, but um, I remember, you know, obviously finances were something that was important to me. Um, I had a mortgage to pay. I had bills to pay. My dog, you know, um, those were the important things at the time I was hired that I had to get taken care of and then, you know, still grow for, at the time, my retirement, um, which I could probably talk to you about later. But um, I... Remember my first interview, uh, Nicole asked what I wanted to make. And, you know, I decided at that point I wasn't going to sell myself short, even though I thought this company, you know, was this small thing. I said, well, I'm currently making X. And she goes, okay, I can pay you that. And I said, wow, all right. (laughs) So um, I think that was nice to have that cleared early on. And then, you know, that kind of, you know, got my mind swirling, like what is really going on behind the scenes here? Um, So it really opened my eyes and, um, you know, so that wasn't necessarily a bar- barrier for me going into this business. Okay. Um, I think uh, it was just, it fate aligned for me at that point, um, and it kind of just worked itself out. And so how did you how did you convince Nicole that you were the right person for this job, right? Because from her perspective, she you're one of the early, very early employees, number two or number three, something like that. 
So, yeah. you know, how do you ma- how do you make that sale? Um, I think for myself, um, I had to show Nicole that I was a very dedicated person and a hardworking person, and I wasn't just going to let the ball drop on something, and I was going to follow things through the end. So in the early time, it was a lot of proving ground, like, okay, you're going to give me this project. This is how I'm going to attack it and complete it, and then following up, like, this is where we're at. And also, um, I think having that ability to be a risk taker and try new things. Um, I think at first I was definitely timid to come to the table with new ideas, but I've learned how to morph that because I've seen that uh, I'm in an environment where I can fail. Um, And I think that's something early on, as long as we're taking those failures and then we're figuring out, like, how can we rework this? um, That has led to a lot of success for myself personally and for the business. Right. So... What what are sort of your responsibilities here? What's a typical day in the life of a small company employee? Oh, man. Well, every day is definitely different. Um, I've had to recently learn to add a little bit more structure to my schedule and delegation as we're growing our team because um, I'm definitely a person that likes to do things myself. So I'm growing and learning to do that. But a typical day here, um, you know, I usually start my morning out with emails and then kind of attacking the day as it goes on. Um, I've blocked out certain days to handle certain topics. Um, There's things that every day need my touch point, like Facebook ads or um, our email news list. So, you know, having that prioritized as like what needs a daily interaction versus a weekly versus monthly. And then working with uh, the rest of our marketing team and our ops team to kind of make sure all those different touch points are being met by one person or another. Okay. So if if I met you at a a networking event Mm -hmm. and uh, what would... And I asked you, what do you do? What would you say? Oh, man. Um, I would say that uh, I am in... Hmm. (laughs) What would I say? So I would say uh, I handle digital marketing. I handle everything from the post you see on your Facebook news feed to the influencer who is working to show you our products to that email you get in your inbox on a weekly basis from us. Great, great. That, I, I understood that. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sometimes when I ask people that question, it was like, you know, some are very easy. Well, I'm an engineer or I'm a, you know. Yeah. I, I, I'm a marketing engineer. Right. Can we say that? You know, <laughs> I, I drive a dump truck or, you know, I run a grocery store. But for other people, it's particularly in small companies where people do so many different things, mm-hmm. right? And the responsibilities are not necessarily related to your title right (laughs) there is some relationship but there's not necessarily a 100 percent correlation so that's good um so what have been sort of the biggest challenges for you in working in a small company um i don't think they're necessarily challenges i think that um there's a lot of different opportunities um And it's just fun to problem solve them and figure out how they work within the darn good yarn framework. Um, I think we like to see what other businesses are doing and see the challenges they're facing there and essentially darn good yarnify it and bring it into our business and our model and how can we make this work for what we're trying to do. And it's kind of that troubleshooting that makes it exciting Mm -hmm. and um, really it pays off for us. Yes, yes. And... So you do a lot of the the social marketing mm-hmm. for the business. So how did you learn that? How did that skill evolve and develop? It evolved here while I was at Darn Good Yarn, for sure. Um, a lot of the skill sets I have now, two and a half years later, I didn't have when I came into the position. So 
It involved a lot of research, a lot of Nicole saying, hey, check this out, doing demos with people, learning about different softwares and opportunities, and really kind of trying to figure out, okay, how can we use this within Darn Good Yarns ecosystem and really build a revenue stream off of it. Um, so it's kind of been organic in nature. Mm -hmm. um, it, if you were to meet me three years ago and ask me um, how to get a 3X on a Facebook ad, I would, I would not know what the answer was. Okay. Um, so it's a lot of on-the-site learning. Um, but I think that's something for me that's personally been a, a trait of mine that I've embraced in my career path after college, during college, um, and I've learned how to really hone in on that and um, bring things to light. And it's, and it's still a segment of the world that's changing rapidly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, flexibility um, is definitely yeah. key. Um, you know, your site's working one day and the other day you're like tapping your screen, is this thing on? So uh, we always have to be quick on our feet, I think, and that's something else. Like we've learned, we have the luxury in a sense to be flexible. Like if, you know, I know sales aren't going to be there one day, I know I have the power with our email list to send out an email to help drive some revenue or to maybe work on a different ad set in Facebook um, to reach a new audience. So what's... Uh how how do you think about the culture here at Darn Good Yarns, and and how how has that evolved in the time that you've been here? Sure. Um, so when I think of the culture here, we're really uh, we definitely embrace the family atmosphere. We're a tight knit team. Um, there's a lot of openness with all of us. Everyone kind of knows what's going on in the work environment, but outside of it as well. Um, I always like to use the example of Amanda, who's our ops manager. Uh, she was a, a bridesmaid in my wedding. Nicole and her family attended our wedding. Amanda also just bought a house across the street from me. So we have, I think, w one of the awesome foundations is we are all great friends and um, outside of the organization, and we really lift each other up and empower one another, um, both within and without of the business. And I think that's something that we like to emulate with everyone else as well. There's really that open line of communication that everyone kind of knows, like, as long as you're communicating it and getting it across, we're all there to help you problem solve and figure out what's going on. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It's it's interesting that that in my working experience, I've, I've worked in some organizations where your personal life was totally separate from your work life, right? There was no mingling, if you will, mm -hmm. of the two. And in other organizations, it was hard to see the difference between those two. Right. So clearly the, the family atmosphere here is an important element of the culture. I think so. Um, and I think it it's what drives people to want to succeed in the company as well. They, they see how, no pun intended, tight-knit we are, and they want to be a part of that. So... Uh, what advice would you would you give others who are contemplating, you know, maybe they're graduating from college shortly or they they have graduated and they're working at a large company uh, and they're thinking about, gee, maybe I'd like to try a small organization. What, what sort of words of wisdom can you share with them? Sure. Um, I think that the first thing they have to do is, you know, make sure it's the right decision for them. Are they willing to you know, change their mindset on things because how things work in corporate world are not how they work in a small business. One of the transitions I had to make was in a corporate structure, um, things had to go through a lot of approval processes. Here at Darn Good Yarn, I am the approval process. So um, making that switch and having the confidence in yourself to know that you have that ability, I think is something, um, it's hard to learn. 
Um, it can be learned, but it's just making sure that you're confident in your own ability and you can, you know, steer that ship in whichever direction it's going to take. And then the financial side too. Um, I was fortunate enough to find Darn Good Yarn and financially they were able to meet my needs. I know other people that aren't. So, um, you know, some other small businesses might not be able to meet that, but you can always, you know, work part-time or contract with them, other things like that to get your foot in the door. Um, Cause I think it's always part of, you know, there might not be necessarily a full-time position for you somewhere, but getting your foot in the door is I think just a great way in. And then when you're ready to make that transition, you kind of have um, a little bit of a bridge into it. Yeah. So one theme that is pretty consistent from what my conversation with Nicole was and with you is that this notion of flexibility mm-hmm. and and that life is going to be different and changing all the time and your one's ability to cope with that is really important in a small company. For sure. Um, I think, you know, the flexibility, you know, of trying new products and new things is one thing, but then also the flexibility within your own lifestyle um, I think is going to be important as well because in a small business, you know, sometimes... Luckily here, we don't really have it, but sometimes maybe the site breaks down at like 10 o'clock at night and you are, you know, working to fix things there or, you know, something pops up on a weekend and you need to all hands on deck. Um, So I think just having that flexibility as well, um, it just plays, it translates well into the work life, into your work. Yes, yes, excellent. So before we wrap this up, are, are there any other points that you'd like to make that I haven't asked you you stole my flexibility question that I was going to put there. Oh, I know one. Um, I think um, one point I would like to make is it's okay to be uncomfortable. Um, and I think that's something for me I've had to grow and learn that it's okay to be uncomfortable in whatever situation it is. Because as a person, I've grown from that experience and now I can take it and apply it to other yes. things. Um, so I think that was just a key trait that before I came into Darn Good Yarn, I didn't necessarily know how to be uncomfortable or know that it was okay to be uncomfortable in situations. Yeah, yeah excellent point. Do, do you ever you contemplate starting your own business at some point? In time? Oh, for sure. I think um, Nicole definitely has empowered us to, uh, you know, have that... Nicole has empowered us to have that mindset. Um, so it's not something that, you know, would be prohibited or anything. So yes. I think... Certainly down the line, I'd, I'd love to start my own business and um, grow it to be as successful as Jared Good Yarn because what could be better than that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I always thought that one of the best ways to learn what it would be like to start your own business is to work in a small business sure. and get that exposure and and sort of see, okay, this is what it's really like. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes when you when you do something that's new, you, you discover you don't like it. Right. And that's okay. That's part of the part of the journey. Certainly. Uh, so that's great. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to spend with me. This is a great perspective of a of a employee who joined a small startup. Correct. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Carrie. So, I thought that was a really nice interview with Carrie. And uh, one of the reasons I wanted to chat with her is uh, to share with our listeners that this notion is you don't need to be a founder of a business to get the entrepreneurial experience. That being an employee in a small, growing entrepreneurial business is also a great way to kind of get your chops and get some skills in that area. Because many of the attributes you need as an employee are very similar. And if you listen to some of the things that Carrie talked about, 
they were right along the notion of being an entrepreneur. What did you think, Mike? Agreed. Um, I love this idea of being entrepreneurial doesn't necessarily mean being the entrepreneur, but being part of this founding team. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a, a great way to think about uh, your one's career path and think about the ideas of risk and think about the ideas of building a team and uh, and watching a product or a service grow. Um, so I think I think that was really cool. I loved how she got the job. I loved her approach on the job. I loved what she discussed about culture. Um, and I like the fact that she's thinking of starting her own business with the full support of Nicole and how that's just kind of built into the DNA. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, the other interesting thing that I thought she said was it's okay to be uncomfortable and that that's a learned skill, that your ability to cope with uh, the unknown or being in uncomfortable situations, ones where maybe you're not as confident as you want to be, uh, is an important skill to have in a small growing business. And uh, that's something that you can learn. I thought that was another great insight she had. Yeah, I love it. I'm a, I'll am admit this to you, Bela, because you're my friend. Um, but I'm a meditator. I do meditation, um, not hardcore anything. But one of the lessons that I learned from meditating and learning about meditation is, is that once you realize you're discomfort, you have discomfort or you're uncomfortable about something um, and you can you can know and recognize, oh, I'm uncomfortable. And you can just by recognizing it all of a sudden, it makes it a lot easier to deal with it. You know, that feeling you get in your stomach or sometimes it's a headache or whatever. It's this feeling of discomfort and just being able to recognize it, this idea of mindfulness, right? Of saying, ah, this is discomfort I'm feeling can go a long way. And then if you can get to the point that Carrie was at, which is, hey, I'm uncomfortable and it's okay. It's good, right? Boy, then you're really, um, I think, setting yourself up for a much easier go at uh, at your job and in your life, um, whether it's at work or whether it's with your, your partner or with your family. Um, I thought that was um, worth the price of admission as far as kind of nuggets of really cool, cool advice from the Kerry O'Brien chat. Yes, I agree. And was that too much thing, information? Did no, I, no, did I TMI? Okay. Well, you know, I was going to say, I was thinking there uh, that I should give a plug for my favorite meditation podcast, which is uh, 10% Happier with uh, Dan Harris. That's the one that I use. Yeah, I started listening to uh, yeah. to that about a year ago, and uh, I enjoyed a lot. Yeah, me too. I use the app, and I subscribe, and I meditate every day a little bit. So, so yeah, that's funny that we use the same one. You know, we're friends, and we've never admitted this to each other, and now we're doing it in front of, you know, all whatever <laughs> Seven of our listeners. No, I think it's more than that. But, you yeah, know, eight or nine. I think out. we're up to eight or nine. Yeah. Secrets out. Interesting. Yeah. The, you know, the book is thing, good, too. The other thing that she said uh, that I thought was really good, Mike, and this has been a theme we've heard from other folks we've spoken to, and that is experience it firsthand. Don't study it over and over, but take that first step and then build on that experience. And that's how you really grow. Um, so that was another sort of thing that she said, because we asked her, how did she learn some of these uh, social media things? And she said, well, I learned them here. I just did it. And I figured it out. And um, I thought that was cool. The other interesting thing uh, that I thought was really good was she said, in a small company, you're the decision maker. You don't have to ask permission to do things. 
And lots of times in a large company, you know, there's all these toll gates you got to go through to be able to do anything. And in a, in a small company, uh, you got to run fast. And one of the ways you run fast is you decentralize decision-making. And uh, it's clearly that's something they do there at uh, Darn Good Yarns. Yeah, I love this. And this is to me when people, you know, ask me, okay, well, what did you like about being entrepreneur versus academic versus corporate? And the the decision-making ability is the blessing and the curse, I think, of being an entrepreneur. Because it's like, absolutely, I love being able to make decisions quickly, whereas in academics, we don't. Um, but it's also the curse because you know what? When you screw up, you own it, right? It's all on you and there's no backstop. Um, but I think that those are both good things. And I think that is a prime difference between working in a big company or in the government or in academics and being an entrepreneur. And that ability to make those quick decisions and the the decision criteria rests with you is a fantastically powerful feeling um, that you can really pro- solve problems in a, in a hurry. But it's scary too. But you could tell. Carrie was used to it, and she she thrived on it. We're really happy that you joined us for our podcast adventure this week. And we hope you found the last hour or so thoughtful and interesting. We have two small requests. If you have a question about what we've discussed or suggestions about topics or guests, uh, get in touch with us. Our email is bela.and.mike at gmail.com. Or if you like what we're doing, we'd love it if you hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. Or you know what? Even better, write a quick review for us. Or if you find others that you think would be interested in this, uh, let them know and share it with them. Well, that's it for this week from uh, my mini recording studio here in Münster, Germany. Thanks for spending time with us. Uh, We look forward to you joining us for our next episode. Bela, thanks and see you next week. Sounds good, Mike. Have a great week. Signing off here from Historic Schenectady, New York. This podcast is produced for Mike and I by our friends at Busy Media of Schenectady, New York. They can be found at busymedia.co.